Hey y'all, Cable here to tell you about my friends over at PhoneScope. If you're looking for that long range footage, whether you want to hook it up to your spotting scope, binos, or whatever your choice, it doesn't matter, PhoneScope is the only option. It's the smartphone optics adapter, the originator, not the imitator. So capture, record, and share with PhoneScope. Literally, you're recording with your smartphone while it's looking through your optics. So check it out, PhoneScope.com. And you'll save 10% off your order if you use the promo code Lone Star. She has me if I loved her. I said, don't you know I do? But I ain't gonna live this guitar down. I'll hunt a even for you. Good. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. One of my all-time favorites there. Mama, I don't want to lay this guitar down. Mama, I don't want to quit hunting and fishing either. The late, great Rusty Weir kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoors show, sponsored by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, Thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Like I said, I'm Cable Smith, and there's no place I'd rather be been sitting right here talking hunting fishing the great outdoors and all that implies with you fine folks today so thank you for being here it's truly a treat week in and week out and we've got a great show lined up for you today so you know what to do by now pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old stanley thermos that green one yep the same one that's got mud caked on it since Duck season 2014, if it's like uh, if it's like mine, <laughs> that's what it looks like anyway. And who knows, maybe you spiked it with Grandpappy's old cough syrup. Uh, maybe you didn't. <laughs> Either way, it's fine with me. Uh, we've got a great show, like I said. So, uh, let's go ahead and give you a rundown of what is on the docket for today. Off the top, we'll head down to the Gulf Coast and talk some redfish fishing with longtime redfish captain Kirk Stanzel of the Hackberry Rod and Gun Club. Uh, legendary place down in Louisiana, just just really just miles from the Texas border. Uh, a unique fishery, though, because they're about, I think, 16 or so miles inland from the Gulf and yet have one of the most amazing redfish fisheries that exist. So uh, we'll talk about how exactly <laughs> that's possible because a long way from the ocean. Plus, and more importantly, I really wanted to have Kirk on the show today. Uh, he'll give us one of his favorite ways to prepare redfish, and it's something that's really outside of the box, a piece of the redfish's anatomy that myself and I imagine many of you are guilty of just kind of discarding, throwing away, not using it. And uh, I thought, yeah, if that's edible, we should be eating it. So uh, we'll talk redfish throats and how to prepare them coming up here in just a bit. Then we will spend a couple segments with our buddy Richard Cheatham. He's the president of the Dallas Safari Club Foundation, which when it comes to uh, the branch of DSE that is really dedicated to putting itself out there and getting on the front lines for conservation, saying provocative, thought-provoking things. Hey, 
The foundation is on the front lines, my friends. They're spending a lot of money with the new campaign. That's going to be coming out uh, right around September 1st with the start of hunting season. And it's one that's going to be designed to invoke discussion from both hunters and anti-hunters. And Hunt for Life, which is what it's called, is going to be thought-provoking and provocative. So uh, fascinating stuff coming up on that front and a huge financial commitment by DSC and the foundation to get this message out there. So we'll get into that. Plus, what's so wrong with being a trophy hunter? (laughs) There's a misconception amongst, well, our society and even amongst the hunting community that trophy hunters just cut the horns off an animal and leave it there to rot and waste. And that is such BS. No hunter worth his salt would ever do that. Those are called poachers. So I'm a trophy hunter. I don't care. I'm proud to say that I am. Uh, But I'm also a meat hunter. And I eat everything that I shoot. But yeah, I like a big rack uh, or a nice set of horns. So we'll get into that disconnect and how, because it's really our fault. The hunting community has let the anti-hunters get away with condemning that phrase trophy hunter, which is criminal in its own right because there's nothing wrong with being a trophy hunter. I mean, we eat the meat, and we like the rack. That's A-OK. So uh, we'll get into that with Richard as well. And then at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by Cheston Davis, an innovative entrepreneur and Western big game hunter who a couple years ago came up with what I would say is one of the most practical and affordable products available to Western big game hunters, or really any big game hunter. But uh, y'all have seen or heard of phone scope more than likely. And we'll talk about how it came about, its capabilities, uh, price point, and what it does for you and I, the hunter out there in the field who wants to capture footage of a hunt or uh, of just scouting animals. Uh, so, Cheston Davis of Phonescope coming up here at the bottom of the hour. A couple other things to mention. Let's do a Havilon knife giveaway. I've got the new Havilon Rebel, the Bone Collector, the Michael Waddell edition Havilon knife. Third person to text in the word Havilon will win the knife and a Havilon cap. Uh, So cool giveaway today from our friends over at Havilon. Also, be sure to send in your photos for our July Photo of the Month contest. We're offering up an all-seasons feeders uh, barbecue pit and smoker, $300 value to this month's winner. So send in your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page, Instagram, or I guess you could don't really use Twitter anymore, but you could tweet it to us if you had to, Uh, or you could just email it to me. That's the best way. Uh, So don't forget. Uh, That's what's going on here in July. And then our 12 monthly winners from 2017 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Let's work in a quick break. Up next, we're joined by Captain Kirk Stanzel of Hackberry Broad and Gun. He chimes in from Louisiana. We'll talk some red fishing and get a fresh take on an often overlooked piece of the redfish anatomy that's coming at you next right here at the Lone Star Outdoor Show. 
Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want a bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, threecurl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. It's no secret the weather in North Texas is harsh and unforgiving, and that's why I need to tell you about Tidal Roofing, a fully insured roofing company serving DFW since 2003. Plus, one of the owners is a range listener himself. Title Roofing offers free estimates with a workmanship guarantee of seven years using only quality materials. They offer residential and commercial roofing, gutter and window installation and repair, painting, fencing, and are a general contractor. Check them out at TitleRoofing.com or call 972-455-8181 today. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. All the tequila in Tijuana, a little Kevin Fowler there. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff, Power Polaris. And thank you guys and gals for being here today. I appreciate each and every one of you, whether you're tuning in on one of our 30 radio affiliates or via the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or our website. Either way. Glad to have you. Uh, we've got an interesting topic to get into concerning what to do with a specific part of a redfish's anatomy that most people probably just discard or don't use at all. Uh, but that's wasteful because there is a delicious piece of meat that is more oftentimes than not tossed aside. Uh, but before we do that, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by the Drive Over Chalk. If you're hauling a Jeep, ATV, four-wheeler, golf cart, or otherwise, just drive over and dock it with the drive-over chalk. It's so simple. You install it right there on your flatbed trailer. You protect your investment. No more need for you know ratchet straps, tie-downs, all that stuff. It's so simple. It's the drive-over chalk, and you'll get free shipping if you tell them you heard about it right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You can find it at driveoverchalk.com. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. He is a longtime redfish captain, and we're going to get into a little-known delicacy that comes from those beloved redfish. He's a crazy Cajun <laughs> captain uh, from the sportsman's paradise, the great state of Louisiana. 
Captain Kirk Stanzel of Hackberry Rod and Gun. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, it's great to be with you, Cable. Uh, good to talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, man, I know that uh, you are a redfish captain, and uh, we're going to talk some redfish here today. One of my all-time favorite species when it comes to bay fishing, I think it's the creme de la creme. It's the most fun to chase and definitely the best eating. Um Oh, flounder's pretty good too, but I do love redfish on the half shell. <laughs> oh man, I, you know I like them all. But yeah. yeah, that redfish on a half shell is delicious, and redfish are probably the number one sport fish in in light tackle salt water. Yes, sir. There's no doubt, <laughs> and and I'd say Louisiana is the redfish capital of the world. Oh, without a doubt, uh, it, it is. We have more redfish in Louisiana than probably all the other states put together. So mm-hmm. redfish is just it's second to none. Well, you guys would have to have a, like a bajillion of them if you're legally allowed to bow fish for them. Yeah, if we could bow fish for them, I limit five fish a man, uh, and our limits are, you know, size limits are more liberal. I mean, 16 to 27 inches, and you're allowed one fish per person per day over 27 inches. Wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more liberal than Texas. You yeah, know, we we almost we overfished our fishery back in the 70s and 80s, and it was a big project for Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, Coastal Fisheries to get these fish back to where they are today. And we have a good fishery, nothing like what you guys have in Louisiana, though. Um, and we sure as hell can't bow fish for them. I mean, people from Texas <laughs> no, you can't. think that's you know, crazy. But you guys have right. so many, that, and it's not hurting the fishery. No, it's not. I mean, uh, our red fishing, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, going out with, you know, with, uh, on a charter, if I have three guys, you know, catching 20 redfish, is commonplace. It is, you know, and it, it's seasonal. Like right now, it, it's tougher to catch the reds right now. All over, there are certain spots you can target and still catch them. But uh, like the spring and especially the fall, uh, I mean, the redfish are on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the unique fishery you guys have there at uh, Hackberry Rod and Gun, because y'all actually are fishing, uh, I guess, quite a few miles inland from the coast. Yeah, uh, we're fishing Chalkahue Lake. Uh, we're, we're actually we're 20 miles inside Louisiana from Texas. We're, we're kind of in the heel of the boot, so to speak. Uh, we're, our lodge is 16 miles from the Gulf, so we're 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 located mid lake, mm-hmm. and uh, so I mean we have access to to all, what makes us so good is the estuary and the marshes around our lake. There's hundreds of thousands of acres of marsh that dump into this lake, which which feeds it with, you know, with all the bait. And then the fish, redfish, they love to get in those marshes. And, you know, you have all this shallow water uh, to fish them. Okay, so it's these marshes that obviously attract the redfish. Is that brackish water? Yes, it's brackish water. Okay. The, the marshes itself are. Now, Coxie Lake, it, it's, it's real brackish, more on the salt side. Because uh, we have a ship channel that uh, that feeds the lake coming from the gulf and it's, it's four miles inland the lake's four miles inland from the gulf it's the water's 50 60 feet deep uh coming up that channel and it's a pipeline for fish you know and bait and everything coming in from the gulf hmm. well so do fish like largemouth bass survive in there uh on back in the marshes you have to get deep in the marshes and you have largemouth bass uh-huh okay so it's mostly saltwater species then yes yeah the lake itself is all saltwater species well what a un- unique fishery that must be it, it is it's pretty cool it, it is i've been i've been fishing on this lake since 1979 and uh you know i've seen a lot of changes over time but the fishing continues to stay good 
Yeah. Well, and that was my next question. Uh, I know you've been doing this, like you said, since 79. So is the fishery better, worse, or the same? Uh, you know, it, it, it's not as good as it was back in, you know, let's say the late 70s and early 80s. But it stays, it's really stayed good, real good. Uh, you know, there's more pressure now mm-hmm. than there were back in the early days. Sure. I mean, our limit, when I first started guiding, our limits were 50 fish per man, you know, combination trout and red fish. And it wasn't uncommon to go out with four guys and catch a couple hundred fish. Oh, my God. I mean, it was it was crazy. 50 you know, per man, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, and then it went to 25 per man on the trout. And uh, back in the 80s, they uh, they dropped the limit on redfish from 25 to, to 5 per man. In fact, they actually closed it for a year and a half. Huh. And then they opened it back up, and redfish has been on ever since. Wow, I bet that raised the whole unholy stink when they closed the fishery. Well, not really. So, you know, we had commercial fishing back then. Uh, they they really uh, did a number on the redfish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, for, I don't know, four or five years there, it's back in the 80s, mid-80s, that uh, it was hard to even catch redfish. And it was because of the commercial fishermen. Mm-hmm. And uh, then once they outlawed the net and, and you know, out, out, actually, they you, the commercial guys couldn't target redfish before they closed the netting completely here. Hmm. So uh, the redfish started coming back then, but after they closed uh, the net fishing, which was in 97, I mean, redfish have just exploded. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, that you go into a restaurant and you order redfish, and this is how it is in Texas. I don't know what about Louisiana, but you said that it's closed to commercial fishery, fishing. Correct. So you go to, you know, all these these restaurants have redfish on the menu, and man, I love to eat redfish, but unless it's farm-raised, you're getting black drum. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And now, now, some are imported, I think, from Mexico, because they still allow it down there. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, it's up in, you know, this far from the border, I'm sure it's black drum yeah. or, farm-raised, or farm-raised redfish. Which, right. Uh, you know, redfish can, they can live in fresh water. In fact, uh, you guys over in Texas have stocked a couple of lakes with them. Yeah, Browning and, and Cavalieris. Right, and you know they can't reproduce, but they they'll live in it. Oh yeah, and they get big too. That they're they're down around San Antonio. Uh, but yeah, great fisheries there. Um, it's kind of like uh, the striper though. In most lakes, we do have yeah, one exactly. lake. Yeah, one lake in Texas, Texoma, where they do reproduce naturally. It's one of five. Really? There's five reservoirs in the United States where striped bass will reproduce naturally in freshwater. Um, and Texoma is one of them, and then there's four others outside of Texas. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, I haven't <laughs> I heard of them. Yeah, yep. It's because of the Red River and the uh, Wachita. They have a lot of salinity in them, and they flow into. Uh, okay. Yeah, they flow into mm-hmm. Texoma, and yeah, but, I know Texoma is world famous for stripers. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sure is. Kind of like you guys in, in the redfish. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, so what are what are they biting on this time of year, and and are you guys predominantly artificial or live bait? Um, whatever it takes to catch them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I mean, my preference is artificial. Uh-huh. But uh, some days you can't fool them, you have to feed them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, this time of year, my favorite thing to throw is either live shrimp or finger mullet. Uh, finger mullet are plentiful, and that's what I've been doing the best, mm-hmm. you know, catching redfish here lately in the heat of the summer. I'm catching them deep, uh, anywhere from 10 to 25 foot of water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, well, like we said earlier, uh, redfish on the half shell is, is my favorite way to prepare them. But I was looking uh, on you on y'all's website and came across this uh, this recipe. And actually, I just Googled 
redfish throats and and something someone had written for y'all's website came up and they said you're the man to talk to um, <laughs> i've never eaten redfish throats I, well, I feel i feel bad now that i've cleaned all these redfish in my day and never kept the throat um yeah and i'll tell you it's uh they're they're great to eat uh it's a you know it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to clean them and get the throat and because you need a bigger redfish mm-hmm you know, you, I won't say a 25-inch plus redfish is what you need to get the throat out of. Well, you don't have enough meat to where it's worth messing with. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's the area right behind the gills. You know, that white, uh, the white part right under his throat area in the bottom before you get to the uh, the cavity, you know, the gut cavity. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just cut the head off right in front of that stuff. And uh, then, then you come behind it, you know, and... I don't, it's hard for me to explain the anatomy here, and uh, you're doing good. You pull that, <laughs> you pull, you pull that throat out. Uh-huh. You know, and of course, it takes some carving and uh, clean it up good. And, and uh, man, they're, they're great. I mean, you can fry them or grill them. Either way, uh, it's really good. And so, so you know, are there still bones in that piece? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's okay. going to be bone in it. Yeah. Bone, but that meat's a lot sweeter in there. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, you know, it's not next to that you know that bloodline that's in there. And for a, a big red. Uh, you know, it can be a little gamier or fishier tasting, but those throats are, are a lot sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've eaten snapper throat, and that's the only oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that snapper throat, that's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, never the redfish. But next time I catch a good one, I'm definitely going to keep the throat. Um, so you t- told us how to clean them. How do you prepare them? What's your favorite recipe? You know, they're real easy uh, to prepare. I mean, you know, if you want to fry them, uh, I mean, you're basically just going to season them real well, you know, and, and, and roll them in uh, cornmeal or fish fry, whatever you like. You know, of course, they're fairly large, so you need quite a bit of grease, you know, and, and get it hot. I like I like my temperature on my grease to be about 375. Mm, okay. Uh, if you get it any hotter than that, you have a tendency to burn it or burn the, the meal. And now, is this like submerging them in grease or just in the yeah, skillet? You're gonna, yeah, you're okay. going to deep fat fry. Okay. That's, you know, I mean, just peanut oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and peanut oil is my favorite because it, 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 to me, it does better, gives it a better flavor. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm just going to season it real well with uh, Tony Saturies is what I like to use. Of course, you, you, know, create, you, you Cajun. Know, <laughs> in Louisiana, I mean, what else is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, just, you know, Roll them in uh, some cornmeal or fish fry. You know, different people have a, uh, you know, different preferences, and mm-hmm. just uh, you know, get the grease just right. Put them in there, and and you know they're going to cook. And of course, it's on the bone. It takes a little longer to cook than uh, say a fillet. Uh-huh. So I always, whenever it starts to float, it's ready. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and, 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 and there's going to be scales on that skin and stuff down there. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to pop and come off and all that stuff. But uh, pull that skin off and eat the meat, and it's really, really good. Well, and, uh, I've found in, in whether it's wild game or fish that the harder you have to work for something, the better it's probably going to taste. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like to take them and, and, and soak them in some, like Italian salad dressing, just, just marinate them for mm-hmm. overnight even even better but you know it takes quite a bit to get on it you know or you got you got to roll them and mm-hmm. so i'll just leave them you know for every couple hours turn them around and all and then uh take them out and then i just tony sashry them up real good i like uh again my my fire to be about 375 400 on my gas grill uh if it's on a bar on a a grill with just uh, charcoal you know you, you want the charcoal to burn down a little bit 
but you still want it good and hot. Uh-huh. You don't want you don't want the flame on it. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I put it with the inside down first. Okay. You, and you'll know what I'm talking oh, about yeah. when you clean the throat. Mm-hmm. The inside down for, uh, first because that's closer to the bone, and uh, let it cook there, and about oh, 10, 12 minutes, then roll it over, and it takes about 20, 20 25 minutes to uh, to cook one. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, so that's on the grill or, or the right. charcoal. Okay. Right. Well, that is wonderful insight. Well, so if one of our listeners wanted to uh, possibly come fishing with you, Captain Kirk, uh, at the uh, legendary Hackberry Rod and Gun, uh, or maybe you wanted to book a duck hunt. I know you all do a ton of that as well. Yeah, we do that. We do duck hunting and, uh, and inland saltwater fishing. Yeah, okay, so what's a good way to get a hold of you? Well, we have a toll-free number. Uh, the number is 888-762-3391, and our web address is Hackberry Rod and Gun. You have to spell out and dot com, uh, or go to. Uh, you can, I can be emailed at Captain Kirk at Hackberry Rod and Gun dot com. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, I'm going to have to come out there and go fishing with you, and then you're going to have to cook up some of these uh, redfish throats for me. Man, we'd love to have you, Cable. All right, well, we'll make a date of it. All right, my man. All right, Captain Kirk, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's great talking to you. All right, Captain Kirk Stansel. He's been at this uh, since 19, he said 1979, so he's been doing it a long time. Certainly an authority on the subject. And, and there's no doubt Louisiana is the redfish capital of the world. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is a slam dunk. Uh, that segment brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Lano, Texas. If you're looking for that trophy whitetail deer hunt for this fall, look no further than the Stillwaters Ranch. It's been in the Leverett family since the 1800s. I've had the pleasure of hunting out there the past couple of years. And Clayton Leverett, uh, he, he's a hoot and he is a treat to hunt with. He's got some amazing deer. I killed a 158 two years ago and a 218 with a drop tine last year. Yeah. He let me shoot the biggest buck that's ever been killed on the ranch. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was tickled pink. It was quite an honor. Uh, but Stillwater's Ranch, Lando, Texas, beautiful country, great people, and some amazing deer. Check it out, stillwatersranch.com, for your next trophy hunt. All right, uh, let's take a break. Up next... We'll be joined by our friend Richard Cheatham. He'll be here in studio. He is the president of the Dallas Safari Club Foundation. You might not be familiar with what that is, but when it comes to conservation, and they are grabbing the bull by the horns, there's, I think, a seismic shift about to happen within our ranks. We're not going to stand for this crap that we've been having to deal with for far too long, the death threats, the hate, the regulation changes, outlawing practical, scientific-based hunting practices. No, it's not going to fly anymore, folks. Richard Cheatham will be here momentarily, and Richard will shed some light on <laughs> how conservation really works, both in Africa and here. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and that's up next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The cattle are prowling, the coyotes are howling, we out where the dog is born, whispers are the jingling, a cowboy is singing. 
The Texas Trophy Hunters Association is proud to bring you the 2017 Hunters Extravaganza. Check out the latest in deer hunting gear and technology. Meet Pigman, Bruce Mitchell of Swamp People, and Kenyon Bankston from Southern Boys Outdoors. Bring the kids to see Gator Country's live alligators, Joe Martin Snakes of Texas, and more. See last year's biggest bucks from all over Texas in the annual deer competition. The granddaddy of all hunting shows returns to Houston at NRG Center August 4th through 6th. For details or online tickets, visit huntersextravaganza.com. Hey y'all, Cable here for Accelerate Auto Group, owned by my childhood baseball buddy. They're a full-service dealership and service restoration and customization facility in Garland, specializing in cool truck customizations, lift kits, performance upgrades. They'll even Kevlar your entire truck or its bed. The perfect heavy-duty finish for hunting and fishing. Accelerate Auto Group also offers 100% custom truck builds. The sky is the limit. Visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com or call 469-300-9669 today. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. On the Lone Star Outdoors Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. It's so great to be here talking outdoors with you today. Thank you for tuning in. Also, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We certainly appreciate their support. And when it comes to Lone Star, I appreciate the ice cold suds as well. Uh, We're all set to talk some conservation here this morning with our friend Richard Cheatham. He is the de facto president of the Dallas Safari Club Foundation. And, and while most of you are probably familiar with Dallas Safari Club, you might not be aware of the purpose the foundation serves. Uh, it's very important. And Richard has, uh, he's been to Africa quite a few times. And he's seen what goes on firsthand on the dark continent when it comes to trophy hunting and conservation and the relationship that exists between the two. So, I'm certainly excited about this visit, uh, but before we jump into it with Richard, this segment of the program is proudly brought to you by the all-new Scent Blaster. When it comes to attractants, you know, if you use liquid attractants in your hunting sets, whether it's white-tailed deer, hogs, bear, or predators, Scent Blaster has changed the game by keeping your wick wet longer (laughs) and getting more scent out through the internal fan. So there's a lot going on with this little unit that you hang in a tree stand with you with the cover scent or you hang out in the hunting area to attract your target. 
You can pick one up right now at scentblaster.net for $24.95. We'll include a six-pack of our long-lasting wicks. So improve your game and get more scent out with Scent Blaster. All right, uh, well, Richard Cheatham is sitting here in the studio with me. He is the president of the DSC Foundation. Richard, it's an absolute treat to have you with us. Thanks for being here. A pleasure to be here with you, Cable. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, let's do this. Let's get to know you a little bit uh, for our listeners out there who aren't familiar with you. Uh, tell us about yourself as a hunter, conservationist, um, DSC member, and president of the DSC Foundation. Yeah, I, I was I was not born to a hunting family. I, I came into it uh, when my sister met my future brother-in-law at a ranch out in West Texas. And so I grew up hunting deer in Texas and fell in love with it. Um, and when uh, I was uh, a young lawyer in Dallas, DSC was just getting started, so I fell in love with the conventions. And 1997, got more involved. Uh, first trip to Africa in 97, um, love what the club did and kind of worked my way into it, became president probably 2011. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, helped with the formation of DSC Frontline Foundation, and then we saw the need for the formation of DSC Foundation, so we did that too. Okay. And and uh, how many times have you been to Africa? I've been to Africa four times, and I've got another trip coming up here at the end of October to Mozambique and maybe Tanzania and a little bit of Namibia. Awesome, awesome, very cool. Um, okay, well, as far as DSC, then we have Frontline, and now we have the Foundation. Talk a little bit about the differences between the three sure it's a complicated tax related so it's going to be really boring but the dsc is what's called a social welfare organization and a c and it's a c4 organization and a c 501c4 organization can do things that a c3 can't it also can can't do some things that a c3 can't so c4 organization can be a lot more involved in political activity and campaigning uh, but it cannot raise money through tax-deductible donations. And uh, so we've, we decided to form the DSC Foundation for that. One of the main reasons is that we can raise money for tax-exempt organizations or tax-deductible tax money. And so we uh, uh, we had already had formed the DSC Frontline Foundation that has a, a much more refined and distinct mission statement, but we formed DSC Foundation to serve the, the, the mission of Dallas Safari Club of conservation education and advocacy for sportsmen's rights mm-hmm. okay and so raising money is the i mean that's the fundamental uh focus of the foundation well raising it and the fun part is giving it away right. and so yeah we 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 our primary sources of revenue for dsc foundation is the dallas safari club when we, we took over uh, the, the 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 giving aspect that DSC had for many, many years. And so we've got money coming in from the convention. We've got money coming in from the new DSC chapters. And we've also got money again from people that actually want to make uh, tax deductible donations. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the fun part is, is finding really interesting projects and causes to support. And since 2000, since January, 2016, we've given away just under $2 million for projects that support the DSC mission statement. Absolutely. And you were telling me, this one just stuck out in my mind. Uh, you were telling me off the air, this is just a small thing you saw on social media. Some lady, uh, I, she was losing livestock to predators somewhere in Africa. We gave her $5,000 to come up with some solar, it was a solar lighting system that actually 
is designed to keep the predators away from her livestock. Exactly. She, she's not a hunter. She's like, why would you give me money? I'm not a hunter. She. That's how I found out about her. She said she posted something on one of our social media posts and said, I wish, you know, they would never give me money. I wish they would. And so I reached out to her with an instant message or direct message. And I said, why would you think that? We had opened up a dialogue and um, I like what she did. And we've, we've supported some other projects that uh, are, is, are designed to, to mitigate human wildlife conflict because you know, anybody that's been to Africa knows you know, that the, the biggest problem over there is, is habitat loss. The second biggest problem is poaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not hunting, but uh, uh, we've we've got a few projects we support to mitigate that human wildlife conflict, and we're losing predators. We're losing lions and leopards, and 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 understandably so by people who can't afford to lose livestock. We see a lot of this on social media, especially when it comes to predators. If you, oh my God, if you put a picture of a dead leopard or lion up, the death threats and the backlash is going to be out of this world. And it's sad because while I make part of my living on social media and DSC uses social media to further our mission, um, it also gives people that shouldn't have a voice a voice. And that's the, you know, there's no other way around it. Right. Um, And so you get this, this hate um, and this just ignorance and the spreading of uh, animosity towards one group of people that doesn't understand another group of people. And, and that's exactly right. And it's, and it's, it's, it's whether it's, whether it's, uh, 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 Twitter or whether it's a Facebook post or whether it's Instagram comments mm-hmm. or anything else, it is a, uh, it's a hard fight. And when we play defense, we don't do very well, but we have to play defense a lot. We've, no. we've, we've, we haven't been proactive in the past, um, but, but the anti-hunting message takes 90 seconds to get across. Our response to that takes two or three minutes, and, and you lose people. Right, right. Yeah, and so I don't even, a lot of the times, I don't even type it out anymore. I just said, okay, your ignorance is noted. Thank you. Have a nice day. And I don't, I'm never rude to them. And I think that's also something is in our own ranks. If we just kill them with kindness, I think that is the that's the only way to deal with it. Absolutely, yeah. You, it's it's so easy to revert to the same arguments that they make and get emotional and, and knee jerk and call you know call people names. Uh, but you have to understand that there's other people that are using getting that message, and there's a, there's a big segment of the population that doesn't condemn hunting or support it. And, and they're open to learning about it. And if you're, if you come across too strong with the anti-hunter, you're going to, you're going to you know, alienate a lot of people that mm-hmm. you, that you'd like to have on your side. Absolutely. Um, well, DSC has put a lot of time and effort into coming up with a game plan to help educate the ones who actually will listen. And over the last two years, I mean, I see it with the way that we have changed our social media approach. And it's been great to see because we are, I mean, we are out we're taking the ball and we're running with it is the best way I would put it. Uh, being proactive. And um, I know that that's been a big goal of, uh, of DSC. Um, something else that's cool though, that you told me about is, uh, and I didn't realize this, how big of a deal this was as far as the respect that DSC has earned. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of how we've refocused over the last couple of years, but the IUCN, um, we're now a member of that organization, and that's pretty cool because they don't let a lot of hunting organizations. No, out. they don't. They don't. Uh, um, uh, it's uh, it's it's the it's the conservation arm of the United Nations, and it consists of of governmental agencies and NGOs uh, that are involved in conservation aspects. But they don't let a whole lot of hunting conservation organizations in, and we were really really lucky to to get in, and not only get in but get in on the first try. And if you if you if you try three times and, and don't make it, you wait. You sit out for five years. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got in and we just decided, hey, we, 
we got in, um, we have to do something. We have to be, we have to take advantage of it. So we spent uh, uh, 10 days in, in Honolulu, Hawaii for the uh, every four-year World Congress. They rotated all over the world. This is the first time it's been in the U.S. Mm. Um, but we, we decided that we were going to, we were going to do what it took to engage and to figure out how to be a, an active participant. And it's, it's an investment of time and, and, uh, and effort, uh, but uh, those decisions have far-reaching effects at that international stage. They don't have the ability to tell governments what to do, but, but the people at the table are government officials. They can go back and implement policy. And so it, the, the IUCN recognizes and supports sustainable use um, and, and hunting as a, as a method of, of wildlife manage, proper wildlife management. Um, and so we're we're among friends. That's mm-hmm. another misconception that's out there that the international community is is, is against hunting. It's not. Right. Um, but uh, we also realize that it's not a given that it always stays that way. And I think that there are some people even within IUCN that would like hunting to go away. So we have to be diligent. We have to be active and participate. So right, right. Well, and I told you, um, DSC has been a sponsor of our show for seven years now. The title sponsor for I think four years, and um, I've, I've been a member. I've been, you know have relationships with people like you, um, but it went, it shifted for me from being yeah this is a great organization. I'm glad to be a part of it to the way that we are now. Like I said, on the front line, really taking the game to well the anti hunters and yep. the people that are on the fence and and trying to um, combat the misinformation that's out there. It's made me. A, a lot more proud, I would say, is like, man, we are really, we're really doing stuff. It's it. Um, uh, it, I think it's a responsibility. We we have worked really, really hard to develop a good convention and a good group. Of, we've got a great group of employees and staff members, motivated, passionate. We've got a great group of core volunteers, but we've worked hard to get this voice and this respect. And it's been hard it's not easy. over ten no. years, right? Oh, Absolutely, man. but we've got it now. And and we, I think we, I think it's a shame if we don't take advantage of. It. I think it's our duty and our responsibility responsibility to take advantage of it and to actually be proactive and and get out there and try to shape this debate and change it really change not only the debate and the way it's discussed but but to confront those those opinions and conclusions that are based on falsehoods if not outright lies yeah well and and you mentioned um also that you think that there's a window right now where people are listening and that might that window might close um but right now today People are open to listening. And oddly enough, I think it started with the Black Rhino auction uh-huh. because that was so controversial, and and uh, and and enough information came out there about the conservation benefits of that that it kind of sparked the debate. And then it got picked up again when the Cecil the Lion debacle happened a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you saw was, I think, people less willing to accept the standard line of what conventional wisdom was about hunting's bad and and why would you shoot a lion or an elephant or whatever and so we have that we have a new generation that's that's involved with the locavore movement and it's also super connected via the internet and all social media venues um, and we have an administration that's 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 a friend of the hunter now so i think we have a window i think we're our timing is good it's not too late but i think we have a lot of work to do to win this debate and change public opinion right right uh, well, let's do this, um, Richard, because I, I still want to get into um, this exciting, like we teased earlier, this exciting stuff coming from the foundation, which we're going to expect out this fall. We do need to take a break, though. So are you cool to stick around for another segment? Absolutely. 
Perfect. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by the Drive Over Chalk. Whether you're hauling a Jeep, ATV, four-wheeler, golf cart, or otherwise, simply drive over and dock it with the Drive Over Chalk. Super easy installation right there on your flatbed trailer. And guess what? If you tell them you heard about them on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, you'll get free shipping. That's $50 savings right there when you order at driveoverchalk.com. All right, y'all don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll get into a very aggressive and thought-provoking pro-hunting campaign that's about to be unleashed by the DSE Foundation. And we'll tackle that next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I saw you leaning on a memory With your back turned to the crowd And that little ball Murphy Where they play guitar Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. Cable Smith here for Lone Star Ag Credit. We all know land is a limited commodity. Let's face it, they're not making any more of it, but everybody wants it. Whether that's to build a house, hunt deer, or run cattle, allow Lone Star Ag Credit to help make that land your land. They've been doing it since 1917. For more information, Visit LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas today. Howdy, friends. Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 Mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Wilder than her. One of my favorites there from the great Fred J. Eaglesmith bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Uh, and man, we've got a, a great conversation to continue here in just a second with our friend Richard Cheatham, president of the DSC Foundation. But before we jump back into that, uh, this segment brought to you by my friends Josh and Becky Gunther over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. They've got locations in Marion, Texas, outside of New Braunfels, as well as San Antonio. And when it comes to quality work with fast turnaround time, I haven't found anybody better. And that's why I've been using Josh and Becky for six years. When I come back from Africa, <laughs> hopefully with uh, 
Quite a few animals checked off of the list. Well, of course, they're going to do that as well. It doesn't matter. Black bear, exotics, trout, ducks, turkey, you name it. They do it all, and they do it well. Check it out. GR8, that's GR8mounts.com. GR8mounts.com for your next trophy mount. Okay, uh, well, let's go ahead and pick it up here with our friend Richard Cheatham, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. We certainly do appreciate that. <clears throat> okay, let's talk about sustainable use hunting because, uh, and, and I think that there is, even among hunters, there's some misinformation out there of trophy hunters go to Africa, shoot an animal, cut its head off, send the cape and the horns back to the U.S., and that's the end of it. Yeah, and it's 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 funny how prevalent that is and, and and north american hunters are willing to understand and they all know the they've heard the numbers before about white-tailed deer at the beginning of last century and and, and now it's five hundred thousand to 32 million right. um, and you've got similar stories for rocky mountain elk and wild turkey i think wild turkey there's seven million wild turkey i think there were a hundred thousand a year or a hundred years ago um, um pronghorn same numbers i mean good numbers rocky mountain elk the same thing ducks because of the north american waterfowl management plan that that uh, uh was implemented Absolutely. 35 years ago ducks have never been greater um but but what people don't realize is that there are similar stories in africa um you, you've gone and, and it's a you have to look at it on a concession by concession it's essentially a large hunting lease for american hunters but concession by concession basis but you've seen these radically improved numbers you've got go back uh, to the, what you just said because I think this, and this is an example of how DSC isn't afraid to just call a spade a spade. You said, you know, an African concession is basically a big hunting lease for American hunters. It is. It's, 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 uh, people it's, don't want to, yeah. people don't want to say that, but we're not afraid to say that. And, and it's a, it's a hunting lease for it, for, for just, just to put it in the vernacular that the American hunter would, would, would get because we've all had or, or, or shared hunting leases. But that's basically what you've got. You've got a hunting operator that goes, um, they either in certain parts of, of Africa, it's it's a it's a game ranch mm -hmm. like you'd have over here, a big hunting operation, commercial hunting operation. But in other areas, it's government land that the government leases out to a hunting operator, um, and then he brings in the paid hunters. Mm -hmm. And so um, he controls that concession just like it's his deer lease and his property, and he's going to guide the the, the 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 folks out there. But that's what it is. It's you, you know, like it or not, it it. This game ranching concept has resulted in an increase of game head in South Africa to, I think the numbers, I've got it, I should have looked at it already, but it went from about uh, 700,000 20 years ago to 18 million head of game in South Africa. And that's because of game management right. and this and this and this uh, this game ranching concept. Namibia has seen a two hundred percent increase in its game population in the last thirty years. It's because of game. It's because of management for hunting. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you what see have we this, seen in Kenya. Well, and that's it's interesting because it's exhibit A for for why hunting bans don't work. Exactly. You saw in '75 they they cut it uh, they cut hunting for some of the big five species in '77 everything else. And actually, Tanzania tried to do the same thing for two years and they realized what a horrible mistake they made and they undid it. Mm -hmm. And so so you've got a decline by 65 or 70 percent, if not some people say 80 percent in Kenya from the time that the ban went into effect in the in the late 70s to today. And you've seen actually 
Tanzania has 30,000 um, um, lions. They have the single largest population of range states of lions anywhere. You've seen an increasing elephant population in Zimbabwe where elephant hunting has been legal. You've seen a tremendous increase, in, and you saw it in Botswana. It was funny. They the hunting the, the population was growing at a rate of about ten percent. The hunting the hunters were were taking less than five percent. So you had this growth that was out of control. Their elephant population in Botswana exceeds carry capacity, as does as does Zimbabwe by a large margin. Huh. So so you it's 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 one thing to talk about numbers, but you have to talk about numbers in terms of available um, uh, wildlife that'll support it. And uh, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And I think that. It, what you're seeing in Botswana now that they've banned hunting, um, it's it's unfolding just like it did in Kenya. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, these farmers aren't just going to let these elephants just destroy their crop. And and that's you get back to that whole human wildlife conflict thing. You've got people that are losing their crops. You've got people that that that, that cannot afford to lose a sheep or a goat or a cow. Right. And what are they going to do when they do? They're going to go poison that lion or leopard or whatever happens to eat that bait. Maybe it's a brown hyena or something else. But they're, they can't afford to, to, to yeah, do that. It's so, discriminate. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, you, don't, you can't blame them. they got to survive. It's, so. It is purely a matter of survival for them. It's, it's, uh, they live, they live uh, uh, you know, hand to mouth over there, and they cannot, uh, the loss of a cow that, that would cost 600 U.S. dollars to replace over there is, is, is devastating to them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and like you said, you've been there, uh, and you've seen it firsthand as far as what happens, going back to this misconception about, trophy hunters um what happens when say a big game animal is killed over there you know you that it, 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 it goes back to the skinning shed just like it does if you're on a texas deer lease mm-hmm. but but uh, it's amazing to watch because nothing goes to waste you know you when you hear the debate over here in the states and you've got somebody that says you know i'm a i'm a deer hunter i i, I only only shoot what i can eat um, I don't support international big game hunting because they don't, because I can't bring it back or I can't eat it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there's there are legal restrictions. You can't import game meat from Africa. But what happens to that meat is, first of all, it, it's fascinating to watch them carve up. They, they take the esophagus out. They I've seen uh, I've seen skinners argue over who got the largest piece of the upper chamber of the stomach of an eland. And the last time I was there, I watched that. Um, they'll take the lower intestine. They'll take the lower vertebrae. They'll they'll they use so much more of those game animals than we do over here. It makes you when you when you hear that story from those people that and God bless them I, I I get it that you hear the people that say I don't support international big game hunting because you don't eat what you kill. It, it uh, it's getting eaten. It is and and it's, and, and the and the, the utilization over there is so much so much stronger. And not only that, you have people over there that have no form of protein. Um, they, this, the idea that they can hop in the car or a bicycle or a motorcycle and drive down the street and go to the store is, is, is nonsense. Right. They might be 60 miles away, even if they had the ability to get there, they don't have the money to get there. Mm-hmm. And so, so when you see somebody like uh, Mark Haldane in Zambezi Delta that says he's given away 140,000 pounds of meat in the last three years, or, or the government of Zambia, 285,000 pounds of meat, that's a million, at least a million meals for people that otherwise don't have protein available to them. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. entirely entirely depend on it yeah. so well and it gives them an incentive not to poach them absolutely and that's what and that's exactly what happens that the bushmeat trade is just you know it's poaching as people always talk about rhino horn and an elephant tusk and pieces of lions but the bushmeat trade is, is is more devastating it's indiscriminate mm-hmm. um they don't care whether it's the it's the baby uh, uh impala or blue diker or a fully grown one 
they are not successful in recovering all their traps. It's a horrible death. And uh, poaching, again, right behind habitat loss is, is the problems that southern Africa faces. So. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, and, and you told me uh, also that you had a trail camera out and an elephant had been shot. I don't know if you shot it or someone else, but uh, it was within 24 hours gone yeah yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't me but it was somebody that said you know we need to tell the public what what happens uh-huh. and, and that's exactly what it was it was you know obviously there's a downtime from the time the trigger is pulled to the time that people kind of catch up with you and you've got to get a whole bunch of people in there to cut the, the animal up and and then you've got to get the people up there that, that are going to carry it away but there's this fascinating and i've seen a couple of them but there's a fascinating time-lapse photography from and it's a 24-hour period and it goes from that elephant on the ground to a stain on the ground where it used to be there's nothing left of it well wow. and so obviously people <laughs> will use the skin and they'll take the tail and the tusks and some people actually take the skull they're fascinating looking skulls um but the uh but every single piece of it the bones um every piece of the intestine of the 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 the, 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 the things that you would never you know obviously deer hunters will tell you that they eat the deer liver and they'll eat the deer heart well they eat everything mm-hmm. i mean they eat there's those are the ballsy hunters in the u.s the, the ones that's that, right the, those are the ones that are a little more hardcore that, uh i'll 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 keep the uh the heart, liver, and the kidneys, and I think I'm in probably like the ten percent. Yeah, 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 most, yeah. And I'm not saying to the people that don't that don't want to eat organ meat, hey, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I, I enjoy yeah. it. So. And I, I would say you're being ten percent's too high. Yeah, so, but, but 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 and that's the that's the silly thing about this debate about well they don't you know they don't eat it or or you know, I only eat what I kill. Um, I can make an argument that that ninety five percent of the people that hunt and somebody even the ones that say that they eat what they kill don't eat everything or don't even come close to it. I mean, it, the law says you quarter in Texas, you quarter a deer, and you don't even have to take the trimmings from the neck. You, I mean, it, it's the the but 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 the law is satisfied with taking the the, the quarters and the, uh, the the back strap and maybe the tenders as well mm-hmm. for whatever reason this we've developed this mentality that that's what trophy hunting is it's 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 leaving it on the ground taking pictures and taking the horn and the cape back and and uh, uh, and that's it and it's it's just not true and so we have to we have to figure out a way to change people's mindsets about that. That's that's one part of it. Feeding the the, 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 the hungry is another part of it. But yeah. the, the benefit to the communities from the hunter's dollars is another part as well. Well, and I'm not afraid to say that I'm a trophy hunter. I don't care. And But I'm also a meat hunter because I, you know, I shoot a trophy. And if two deer walk out, I'm going to shoot the bigger deer. Right. And that's that's that takes it a step further because that's conservation. You shoot the mature animal, you let the smaller one grow. And mature one has bigger horns and so call me a trophy hunter i don't care and i think that too many people are afraid to embrace that term right because the term's not going away well we we let other people define it for us and we didn't challenge them so now it has this negative connotation and stigma that we have to change like you said it's there's no there's no shame in being a trophy hunter we got a new lone star outdoor show t-shirt in the world there you go (laughs) uh it's 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 a um um there are conservation benefits to hunting and conservation benefits to trophy hunting. And we just let other people define the terms and kind of set the agenda for too long. So now we're playing catch up and we're mm-hmm. trying to fix that. So, Well, and part of this uh, playing catch up and trying to reverse that uh, trend is what we've got going on with the foundation, the DSC foundation. It's the new campaign. It's called we hunt for life. And uh, I just watched the first video. It hasn't been released yet. Uh, pretty insightful and uh, thought-provoking is, uh, is how I would best describe it. 
I'm going to let you talk about this. Yeah. We, you know, we kind of realize that as a hunting community, we have not done a very good job of getting the message out there. And we, it's not for lack of trying. We, mm-hmm. we, we've spent a whole bunch of time preaching to the choir. And obviously with the difference that we've talked about, about trophy hunting and meat hunting, there, there, there needs to be a conversation with um, included in the hunting community. But, uh, but we just haven't done a very good job and we are always playing defense. And as I said earlier, that doesn't work. We just decided that we had to kind of change the way we, um, we took this message out there and uh, we had to educate. We're going to educate the hunters on all these other benefits. We're also going to educate the non-hunting public. There's a large segment of the U.S. population that does not condemn hunting but doesn't hunt. And uh, and within that segment, there are people that are still closed-minded. But I think what you've seen is there are a lot of people that are open-minded and want to listen. And you see it and 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 New York Times op-ed pieces and articles and newspapers from sources you'd never expect to say anything positive about hunting. So we decided that uh, we were going to change the, the try to change the dynamic and of the of this debate and and the way it's discussed. And so we're coming out with the campaign in um, mid part of September, mm-hmm. and uh, it will be provocative. It'll be multifaceted. It'll be a heavily social media based campaign, but we'll. You'll see some well-placed uh, billboard advertising that's designed to grab people's attention and hopefully drive them to the website and engage them and teach them a few things. Well, and I'm sure that there's a financial uh, commitment for something of this magnitude as well. And it's it the, just goes back to putting your money where your mouth is. Exactly. It's it's by far the biggest the biggest financial commitment that DSC has ever taken on and and hopefully it'll feed itself because when we, we hope that people uh, see what we're doing and like what we're doing and want to mm-hmm. support it but uh, uh, th- we, we're, we're doing this we're doing this because we think we absolutely have to and we've got to change the way the, dis- the discussions taking place and 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 to, and to challenge those preconceived uh, ideas absolutely absolutely okay and uh, if folks wanted to get involved with the foundation well, I'd encourage them first to become a member of DSC, but if they specifically, if this is speaking to them, you know, We Hunt for Life, think about the title of the campaign. Um, I think that it's going to be a home run. I hope so. And, and and they can learn more by going to the website. It's www.dscf.org. And this, the website will be a repository for a lot of this information, all these facts we're trying to arm people with. There's a way to support it. You'll see a link to a donate page on the website. Um, and we're going to have some events for the public. We, we are we – are, uh, tied at the hip with Dallas Fire Club. Dallas Fire Club is the only member of DSC Foundation. So this is a, a somewhat of a different type of relationship between a, a foundation and, and, and what I've referred to as the mothership Dallas Fire Club. Um, but our sole goal is to support the mission of DSC. So if you support DSC, you support the foundation. Mm-hmm. But but we we definitely would we would love people to support the foundation and help us with this particular campaign because it's a long-term inexpensive campaign oh there's no doubt there's no doubt but it's one that has to it has to be i mean there's really no other way we are at the crossroads Uh, and we're under attack not i mean obviously in north america and then when you go to africa i mean it's it's really a global issue that we are facing as people are trying to do away with our way of life and it's uh it's kind of shocking because this is how we got here as right. humans. And that's the, you, you touched on something that's really important. Um, and, and I hear it from time to time. 
um, there's a lot of people in the U.S. that'll never go hunt Africa, and they really don't care. That's they. they in fact, if, even if they could, they 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 don't see anything to be gained by hunting lions or leopards or or even elephant. Um, and they say, why should I care about this? And there's uh, my, 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 my response is twofold. Number one, you might not ever go um, and your kids might not ever go, but, but, but your grandchildren children might, your great grandchildren might. And, 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 and how important it is, is it to, to you to not have to send your kids to a zoo or a small game reserve someplace to see wild African animals? So just the thought of being able to protect and preserve wild animals in their natural state over there is, is enough to, to drive us, number one. Number two, um, uh, uh, this these attacks on hunting, international big game hunting, aren't going to stop if if the the, the, the the PETAs and HSUSs of the world shut us down, mm-hmm. okay? And so the, the, it's, it's American hunters should not have any preconceived idea about the fact that what we do over here is protected because you're already seeing it with the loss of you know, Florida had a very successful black bear hunt one year. Um, I had a fishing guide that shot the very first bear at 6.30 in the morning. Um, uh, the hunt only lasted like two days. That's they how got their quota, was, right. Yeah. And so they were going to do it the, the next year, and they got shut down. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing states like California shut down mountain lion hunting. And so it's happening over here. You're seeing government, state governments pass bans on imports of lawfully taken trophies. Um, and so it, this idea that I shouldn't, I don't care what, about what happens in someplace like Namibia or Mozambique or New Zealand or Argentina because it's not going to affect what I do. It's just, it's just not true. Well, and that's like a Texan saying, well, I don't give a crap what they do in California or Maine because it's not going to affect me. Yeah. Guess what? It's, it's all right. You you don't know. And I get a lot of that from, even from our proud listeners like, well, this is Texas. By God, they're never going to outlaw hunting here. And you know what? You'd like to have that mindset and you, and we're all damn sure proud of our Texas heritage. But that's fool's gold. <laughs> and, and there are people here right now working on it. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's you don't you don't necessarily see it because they haven't they don't have the power to take it to the legislature. But there are people working on it right now. Oh, and so absolutely. Just because you don't, just because it hasn't been successful, and whether it's California mountain lions or or wherever it might be, um, uh, it, it's happening. And it's it's I always love the fact that it's and I love to fish too. Mm-hmm. But there's a parallel there that that, uh, that that's never followed. I mean, people don't care about about fishing and, and keeping your catch with with fishing and maybe that's part of it part of it's because of the, the catch and release you can throw some of them back but 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 when you talk about hunting for some of these people it just drives them crazy and there's no difference whatsoever for them they but they you know that's the when you dig when you scratch the surface on some of these arguments against hunting they fall apart because they're not fact-based mm-hmm. they're not they're, they're emotion driven and they're they're not fact-based and that's we, we we said this before you you said it was a great point um uh, you have to uh, you have to kill them with kindness. You have to you have to kill them with facts, um, and you have to avoid step stooping to their level. And it's hard based on some of the comments you see on social oh, yeah. media. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I had it written right here. Uh, as as far as the We Hunt for Life campaign, and we'll wrap up with this. It's going to be bold, unapologetic, and factual. And I think uh, those are three pillars that uh, any hunter can get behind. You know, and, and hopefully that drives people to the website, that drives people to engage. Um, it starts those conversations, whether we're directly involved in or not. But I, I, I think that if we get the facts out there the right way, we'll win this argument. Yeah. Well, Richard, it's been a real treat having you in the studio. Thanks so much for making time for us. Absolutely, Cable. Love your show. Appreciate all your support of the club and good luck in Africa. 
Thank you, sir. There he goes. Richard Cheatham, president of the DSC Foundation. I tell you what, I'm glad that Richard is overseeing the foundation. I've enjoyed visiting with him at various uh, crawfish boils and DSC meetings, conventions over the years. Uh, easy guy to talk to. And when it comes to a grasp, a firm grasp on what's going on in Africa and how that affects American hunters, trophy hunters, like I said, I don't shy away from the word. I'm a trophy hunter. And I eat my trophy. <laughs> it's the best combination that there is. Big racks on the wall and a freezer full of venison. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, that segment, by the way, was brought to you by <laughs> Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. We'd love for you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about conservation, education, and hunter's rights. To do so, or to get plugged in with the uh, DSE Foundation, you can find it all at biggame.org. All right, uh, let's take a break. Up next, we'll be joined by Cheston Davis, passionate elk hunter and the founder and owner of one of the most practical tools that you can have in your hunting pack. And we'll tell you what it is next, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. The Texas Trophy Hunters Association is proud to bring you the 2017 Hunters Extravaganza. Check out the latest in deer hunting gear and technology. Meet Pigman, Bruce Mitchell of Swamp People, and Kenyon Bankston from Southern Boys Outdoors. Bring the kids to see Gator Country's live alligators, Joe Martin Snakes of Texas, and more. See last year's biggest bucks from all over Texas in the annual deer competition. The granddaddy of all hunting shows returns to Houston at NRG Center August 4th through 6th. For details or online tickets, visit HuntersExtravaganza.com. Hey everyone, it's Jordan Lee, uh, 2017 Bassmaster Classic champion, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The Rock of Ages clapped for me. She tried to turn me on to Jesus, but I turned on to the devil's way. There's a little Johnny Paycheck bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Cable Smith. 
Thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club, uh, as well as our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. It is great to be here with you today. Thanks for spending a part of your week with me. As we've got an interesting product to get into here uh, regarding, well, essentially it was designed for Western big game hunters. Recently, however, it has become increasingly popular among whitetail enthusiasts as well. But before we get into uh, this cool and, and very practical and affordable piece of equipment that I think everybody will want in their hunting pack, uh, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. Check out the new Dam Fish Feeder. That's right. It's the Dam Fish Feeder. If you've got largemouth bass, catfish, whatever stocked in your tank or pond, the Dam Fish Feeder is the key to keeping those suckers fat and happy. And you'll find the Dam Fish Feeder, along with All Seasons' entire lineup of deer feeders, protein feeders, uh, blinds, and barbecue pits and smokers right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. Well, let's bring on our next guest here. He hails from the great hunting state of Utah. It is my pleasure to welcome PhoneScope founder and owner, Cheston Davis. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, great to be on, man. Excited. Absolutely. Well, let's first of all get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us about yourself as an outdoorsman. I know you're a big game hunter, but uh, where you're from and what you like to hunt the most. You know, I, I enjoy the outdoors. I, I've grown up in southern Utah my entire life, so I've been spoiled, to say the least, because I've caught amazing mountains, valleys, uh, all the above. And the, the animals that we have here are just amazing to, to be able to go out and pursue. But uh, my main primary animal focus that I love to just get out and chase is elk. Mm-hmm. So um, we got plenty of mule deer. But elk is just one thing. There's nothing better than getting in on a bugling bull middle of September. It's starting to chill off a little bit. You can feel falls in the air and just hearing those bugles just tearing up and trees knocking down. And that's kind of it's kind of my passion in a 20 second spill. But <laughs> I live for the outdoors. Yeah. As as probably anybody else that's listening to the show, it's just one thing that's nothing better. No right video on. game can produce the feeling that you get when there's a bull 10 yards away tearing a tree up. Oh my God. No, no. I, uh, and I always say people that haven't elk hunted, but if turkey hunted, I always tell them, Hey, elk hunting is just like spring turkey hunting, but it's like a 700 pound turkey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. And here's the, here's the way I look at it. When the elk outsmarts you, at least, you know, there's their brain is bigger than the, than the size of a peanut. Yeah. It makes you feel a little better. I, the one thing I hate about hunting turkeys is when they outsmart you, it's like, dude, you know they've got a brain that's literally one one-hundredth of the size of yours, and they just outsmarted you. And honestly, I hate to lose. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'll be 100% honest right here on the air. Yeah. So with that out there, yeah, dude, you're right. It's it's very very much like turkey hunting, but with a giant animal that's pissed. <laughs> There's nothing better. There really isn't. So I, I'm no. headed to Colorado over-the-counter. Uh, this fall, I'm sure you've probably got a tag in Utah. I know you've hunted in New Mexico as well. Probably, that's probably my second favorite state um, that I've spent a lot of time in is New Mexico. But didn't draw there this year. Actually, drew a mule deer tag, not an elk tag though. So, um, so where, what states are you hunting elk in uh, this this fall? Um, you know, I sh- I'll be hunting elk here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I try to hunt elk every year in here, whether it's just an over the counter. Or I'm able to pick up a, a good tag at one of these auctions that they sell for for a good price. Um, or I'll end up going to Colorado, Nevada, 
New Mexico, if I can uh, draw it, kind of like you said, I was able to hunt the Gila last year, and I'll tell you what, it was one of the worst, but yet best experiences I've had. 15 days on the Gila, hot wow. temperatures, middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. we're, we're having to hike in. I mean, you hear the story of your grandparents uphill, both ways of school, right? Oh, yeah. That's the Gila for you right there. Wilderness, the roads end at the bottom of a hill. You have to hike up and over the hill to get in the valley. You hunt all day, then you have to hike back up and over, and, you know, it was one of those hunts, you got your bow in your hand, and it's one of those hunts, Cable, that you learn so much about yourself, so much about the sport, about the animal, and the respect that you gain by being able to chase these animals in their home territory. It's just, it, it was amazing. It was, I didn't harvest an animal, but it was probably one of the most successful hunts I had because I learned a lot about myself, and that was... uh that was something that I that I take pride in is not always having to win, mm-hmm. but actually finding success in being out in the field. Right, right. Uh, and I had a, a similar situation on my first New Mexico elk hunt. It was about four years ago. Uh, drew a tag, had a buddy that was going with me. He didn't have a tag. He backed out at the last minute. And I was like, well, I'm not, not going elk hunting. Uh, my wife's like, well, you better find someone to go with you. And I was like, eh, I'm just going. And uh, <laughs> I spent seven days packed in about nine miles just you know took everything in just true backpacking and uh never saw another person it was awesome but it rained every day and it was miserable i missed an elk at uh, probably 37 yards still don't know what happened to this day uh replayed it in my mind a million times but talk about pushing yourself mentally and physically finding out what where's your what you think your breaking point is and then pushing past that uh that was definitely a hunt where I came home from and said, man, I really, I gave it all I had and then some. So, you know, sometimes you don't yeah. win, but you still come away with it, like you said, uh, with a positive outlook. So cool stuff on that front. Um, well, so Cheston, about, I don't know if it was 18 months ago or two years ago, um, I became aware of some pretty cool videos I was seeing people post up on Facebook and Instagram and I, you know, was kind of inquisitive. It was like, well, that's cool, but it looks like they filmed it with their phone. But that animal's clearly, you know, sometimes you get a perspective shot, and the animal's like four or five hundred yards away. It's like, okay, how in the world are they doing that? Well, it was with phone scope. Uh, so take us back to the beginning of uh, this. What I would say is an extremely awesome product, uh, especially for Western big game hunters. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll kind of give you the rundown and kind of how the outdoors has blessed my life, my family's life. And, and we was, uh, my dad and I was up hunting mule deer here in Southern Utah. And we were sitting on a mountain and watching a smaller buck. And my dad and I were in, you know, probably a couple miles. So too small of a buck to, to harvest, even though it was towards the end of the hunt. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, while I was looking through my spotting scope, I could see something moving through the trees. And I was like, dad, there's something over in those trees right there. I was hoping it was a bigger buck, right? And mm-hmm. I get looking and here's a giant mountain lion. I'm not talking a small mountain lion. This mountain lion, when it would move, you could just see the muscles start flexing. <laughs> like it was one that just made you sick. Cause it was like, holy crap. This, this mountain lion is 50 to 70 yards away from this buck. And he has no idea how many mountain lions have been 50 to 70 yards away from me. And I had no idea right mule deer they have a lot better sense than than we do absolutely so my i was like oh man what should i do should i 
wring a shot over there and scare it away so it doesn't eat this meal there? What should I do? I mean, I'm all about conservation, trying to save the deer herd because it's something I take pride in. And if I don't know if I should just hurry and fire a shot off and just spook everything out of the, the country or whatnot, my dad's just chest, and you need to try to video this. This is something you're never going to witness again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you're right. So I'm sitting there, and I had a, a palm trio, palm pilot. I don't know if you remember the palms. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago, right? Uh-huh. I had one of those phones, and I'm sitting there trying to hold it up to my spotting scope. And my dad's like, Justin, we should really make something that holds the phone up. And therefore, it stays centered and whatever. And my dad and I are a very similar type of person, but yet very competitive. And so I was like, yeah, that's not a very good idea, Dad. They've already got those things for cameras that you put them in, and you twist them on the X and Y axis. And this and that and my dad's like yeah but people always have cell phones he's like you don't have a camera right now but you have one at home I'm like yeah that's a valid point well long story short no 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 go, that's yeah, where go phones go came deer, from what happened <laughs> what's that i said well what happened to the mule deer uh well so the actual the mule deer ended up busting the, the mountain lion the mountain lion ended up taking off after the mule deer they went over a hill and i don't think the mountain lion got the mule deer but it was one of those cool things of the, the the mule deer fed right up on top of the skyline and that lion came right out of the trees and was right on its tail and then all of a sudden you see the lion just take off but i think once that mule deer got to the top of that ridge he kind of he beat him yeah but it was dude it was a cool thing to see experience yeah 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 i need to try to find that footage and kind (laughs) of i've got it somewhere i have to so you know if it wasn't for hunting and what my grandpa my dad and our heritage you know, phone scope may not have came around on on my side of the fence. Mm-hmm. So it was then and there that we realized, man, we need to create something that that people can use. Right. Well, we created the process. We created phone scope back then, and blessed to our uh, nature that phones have became better. Quality of cameras have just amazingly getting stronger each year that now, I mean, people are reaching out and just taking quality pictures like there's no tomorrow. Um, All of our products are manufactured right here in Utah, in Southern Utah. One thing that, you know, my dad raised me to do is try to support local businesses. And uh, so when we started looking at engineering and manufacturing and all the above, we wanted to keep it right here locally to where we could help out uh, the local economy. So we manufacture and uh, inject and all that stuff within about a 150 mile radius of our corporate headquarters awesome so we keep it to where we can run back and forth and be able to ship stuff and it's been it's been a huge blessing for all of us but yet it's been super fun to be able to see that an average joe like myself that was a college student that you know i as a young kid i always had small little businesses i did on the side whether it was going to the grocery store and charging mechanical pencils to my mom's account and going over to the school and selling them to kids. Because who wants one of those that you could get for 25 cents that you had to sharpen when I could sell you one for 50 cents that was a mechanical one, right? Right. right. So, you know, I had all these little steps throughout my life. I kind of enjoyed doing stuff. Yeah, but, you know, what it goes to show is, is without being out in the field, without being able to be out hunting, who knows what or where I could be right now at my point in my time. So I'm very grateful and blessed that, I was able to be raised as a hunter to take pride in what we do, to have respect for the animals, the outdoors, the nature, the mountains, mm. the above. I mean, it's just it's a huge blessing, and I, and I believe we all take majorly huge pride in what we actually take passion in. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I live in just uh, outside of Dallas. It's like the flattest, you know, part of the world there is. Uh, but people always ask, especially on like our live Facebook and Instagram feeds, like, would you rather live in the mountains or the or the beach? And I always say the mountains. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love the beach. Don't get me wrong. Just came back actually. But uh, if I had to choose one or the other, oh, I'd choose the mountains every time. Um, and so back to the mountains and, and Western big game hunting. I mean, phone scope has become very popular uh, within that community. Yeah, by all means, you know, out in the West, we use spotting scopes quite a bit. We're always spotting 500,000, 2000 yards. Um, so it's, it, it almost makes sense. It, it was meant to be right. Hooking your phone up to your spotting scope. You're able to relieve the strain of your eyes of having to squint one eye looking through the spotting scope, but yet you're able to capture record and share the memories that normally only one person is able to experience. You're able to share those with multiple people, whether you're FaceTiming, right? I mean, you could have your grandpa sitting at home. They can't make it out, but yet you're FaceTiming with him and he's watching through your spotting scope live of a giant buck and being able to feel like he's right there with you or taking pictures, posting them on social media, taking video and sharing it down the road. I mean, there's so many ways that phone scope is able to actually help share the passion that we all have. And I believe like, kind of like you said, social media is blown up now with pictures. You know, one thing we laugh about all the time is, is people can't tell the, the stories of the 30 point buck that was, 30 inches wide and drop tines going everywhere because everybody's got a phone scope now. So if it really was that big, let's see the picture. Right. But yet there's also those stories. Everybody's calling BS on that people are able to actually prove them wrong now. And big bucks are starting to surface and big bulls and all the above. But, you know, we've really taken a big uh, increase in interest in the whitetail community because a lot of these whitetail hunters and cable, I know you're one of them and I've got major respect because last year was the, first time that i actually sat in a, in a blind for a wow. full entire day in canada we went to saskatchewan awesome and i don't know Giant if you guys are there. crazy or just straight dedicated because <laughs> <laughs> i'm up there freezing to death no cell phone service i got wolves coming in and i'm like dude these guys are nuts i i was laughing i told bill jordan down at shot show this year i says bill i don't know if you're totally crazy you're just 100% dedicated. And he's like, why is that? I says, because I don't know how you sit in a tree stand or a blind all day long. And he starts laughing. And I think he said something in the lines of, my dad used to tell me the same thing. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because it really is. It's a totally 180 degrees different than what us Western hunters um, are, are all about. We go out, we sit on a knob, we'll glass, get up, go to another knob, start glassing. So we're constantly moving. I tell hunters they put in all the the pre-scouting and the pre-time and then they have to just sit there and wait for the animal to make their move. So it's kind of a a totally different option there. But with the whitetail hunters in the phone scope, we're now, they're able to sit up in the tree stand and when that buck's not coming in to 30, 40 yards, they're throwing it on their binoculars, sitting there and they're able to now start taking inventory of these bucks that are a hundred yards away that are never hitting their trail camera and able to actually document them, take them back, study them, get an idea, see where they're coming in, what they look like, how to pattern them, and all the above. So mm-hmm. it's starting to take a turn to where, with binoculars and a phone now, whitetail hunters are really starting to catch on and, and utilize the phone scope to, to major gains for their knowledge. Oh, yeah, and I was going to say also for folks that like to film their hunt, if you just want to sit, like say you're sitting in a blind rifle hunting, 
you know, you've got a buck that's two, 300 yards out there. You want to get some quality footage of the actual hunt itself, the shot, everything. Um, you could just put the phone scope right there on your binos or your uh, spotting scope and film the whole thing and great quality. Very so true. That's uh, another advantage for the whitetail hunter. Uh, how does it attach to your phone and then to your optic? So, you know, we, we designed a two-piece system. Um, we designed it around the consumer, the person buying the products, because that's kind of what my dad and I have been our entire life. We've never been the people making the products. We've always been the people that have been purchasing. So we wanted to create something that made sense for people that they didn't have to buy an entire kit every time. So what we came up with was a two-piece system. You have part A, which is the phone case, and then part B, which is the part that attaches it to the optics. So part A is basically just a phone case that has a three bayonet twist mount. So therefore, in the future, if you get a new phone, you never have to buy the whole kit again. You just buy the phone case. That way it's, it's cheaper, it's easier, and it's affordable and all the above, which is something that we wanted to offer the customer at the very beginning. Um, part B is the optic adapter. So we have two different versions. We have a universal uh, adapter, which works just like a three-jaw chuck in the machine shop industry. So basically, you put it right over your eyepiece of your spotting scope or the eyepiece of your binocular. You tighten it down, you twist it, and three little jaws come out. They grab on the eyepiece, they center it up, they tighten right down, and they won't back off. There's a little locking detent button. Mm -hmm. um, then you just twist your phone on, and you're literally ready to take pictures in a matter of seconds. Easy We've enough, also yeah. got a custom option. So we work with basically every optic company there is that, that sells sport optics. And so if you call us up and say, hey, I have a Vortex spotting scope or a Nikon pair of binoculars or a Swarovski pair of binoculars or Zeiss, Leica, you name it, we'll have that actual binocular spotting scope build specs. And we'll be able to tell you exactly which part number of ours will fit specifically right on that eyepiece. Wow which in return is going to save you having to tighten anything down. It's just going to friction fit right over the eye cup. You twist your phone onto it, and you're literally now taking pictures within a matter of one second or two. So right. it's, uh, it's effective, and the, the cool part is, is, I mean, I think our, our heaviest kit weighs about three ounces, so it, it virtually is adding no weight. To, oh, uh, yeah, it's extremely light. I was playing with mine. I just got yeah. mine recently. Uh, I'm taking it to Africa this week so oh, there hopefully you go. get some cool footage there because uh, we will be spending some time behind the, the glass for sure uh, but yeah it's it's very lightweight so when you're thinking and that's important western big game hunters we're counting every ounce unpacking our pack packing it again sometimes you know the really anal ones like myself do it three or four times uh so oh yeah weight's weight's a key element of the uh, of the western it's very true uh, big game hunter um so as we're wrapping things up, though, Justin, I, I do want to uh, ask you, what, what is the price point? Like, for our listeners, how can they, uh, you know, what can they expect to spend to, to get their phone scope set up? You know, for a full kit, you're looking, starting out, you're looking anywhere from about 65 to 80 bucks. We'll get you set up. And it all depends on the model of phone and the optic adapter you're looking for. Now, if, you're, if you got one of the brand new model phones and, uh, and you're looking for a custom adapter, you're going to be in the $70 range. So our website's a great source to go through and check it out. We do got a ton of dealers. Um, Sportsman's Warehouse has a has a huge inventory now. They just put in a big retail display. Cabela's also has a great inventory um, as well on hand. So we've got a lot of great dealers like that. Shields, 
um, not much, not many shield stores out here in the West, but if we got a lot of East Coast people, Shields has has they can get it too within a matter of a few days. So, but our website's a great tool. You can go to the dealer locator, locate a mom and pop shop, go in, check it out, and figure out exactly which one you need. And uh, our tech line is always open to call, and we're here to, to answer any questions and be able to explain to you how it works. And if you do get it and you're still kind of stumped, our goal is to make sure you're taking the best possible pictures there is. So give us a call. Let us help you, guide you through how to get there. That way you can start sharing your memories on uh, the Internet and then help us all continue to grow the sport. I do want to say folks can save 10% off their order. We've got a Lone Star Outdoors show. Promo code is just Lone Star when you check out at uh, phonescope.com. So y'all utilize that as well. Save you a little money on your order. Oh, yeah, by all means. Well, cool stuff, Justin. We certainly appreciate your time today, man. Big fan of the phone scope and uh, look forward to uh, to uh, unleashing this thing in Africa here in the next couple days. Hey, man, I appreciate the time, and I'm excited to see the pictures you, you bring back. Hopefully you come back in one piece, not two. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not hunting anything that can hunt me this trip, so we'll see. Ah, smart man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, thanks again. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Take care. So there he goes, Cheston Davis, our good friend and founder, owner of PhoneScope. Uh, y'all check it out, phonescope.com. Um, it's easy to get behind a product you believe in, and for 60 to 80 bucks, why would you not want to have one of these? That's really the honest question. Uh, amazing footage by putting your cell phone on your optic. Pretty cool. I wish I would have thought of it. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Costa Sunglasses, where if you stop by their website at costadelmar.com, check out the Tiger Shark Frame. It's a new frame. You'll actually contribute towards shark conservation. They've partnered up with O-Search for great white shark and tiger shark conservation. That's right. So a little bit of the proceeds from every purchase will go back into funding shark conservation. So don't fear the fin. Fear the world without them. Uh, check it out, costadelmar.com. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, well, actually, let's go ahead and end today's show. We are flat out of time. My least favorite part of every week. Thanks to all of our guests, uh, Cheston Davis of Phonescope, uh, Richard Cheatham of the DSE Foundation, and Kirk Stanzel, longtime redfish guide at Hackberry Rod and Gun. We'll do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. The dog was asleep on the living room rug and I watched a show about crime and drugs. Punched a bottle of Jaeger until it was through.